0: Out of destruction, out of the fire of hell, into heaven. Listen again to these words
1: Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy
0: place? He that hath clean hands.
1: And a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. When we come to do business with God, we're going to have to, first of all, humble our hearts before Him and get clean. We get clean by Declaring before the Lord what we have done against him. We get clean by taking 100% responsibility for what we have done wrong. We can't blame someone else and say, it was their fault I did this. It was their fault that I grew so angry. It was their fault that I have sinned against God. I know what I did was wrong, but it wasn't my fault. I had reasons. All such foolishness has to be
0: repented of. Being set free
1: does not happen until we take 100% responsibility for what we have done and what we have said. When you come before Almighty God, and his searching eyes. There are no excuses. Some of you have fled away from God because you simply don't see how you can live a holy life. You simply don't see a way for yourself to ever be made pure or clean. Well, you're right. You should flee away from God If you believe that you can clean yourself up sufficient to come before Almighty God, it cannot be done. That's why it's required that we humble our hearts, because we cannot wash away the bitterness and the anger, the lust. We cannot wash away the lies. We cannot wash away the sin that is deeply embedded in our hearts. This can only be done as a work of grace as we confess fully and completely the depths of our wickedness. Now it takes a man or woman, a boy or girl, who's willing to be absolutely transparent,
0: absolutely honest,
1: absolutely willing to meet unhesitatingly. Every demand made by heaven. The personal cost cannot be counted. It does
0: not matter.
1: See, there is a brokenness and an emptying of self that is done in us by the work of the Holy Spirit once we're willing to meet these simple conditions. Now today we've come to do business with God. Have you been running from him? Have you been denying that you are 100% responsible for your anger? Have you been pointing your finger at others and saying, it's his fault, it's her fault? No, we must take complete responsibility for the wickedness that is in our own heart and soul. Take entire responsibility for the lust that fills our spirit. We must come before God, humble and broken, because we are responsible. You are responsible before God for the addiction that you have clung to. You are responsible before God for the brokenness your words have created. You are responsible for the judgments that you have made that have bound up your life. You are responsible for the lack of love and compassion, for laziness, for gluttony. How many times I've heard people say, I just can't help myself. I eat all the time. I love sugar. I crave sweets. I can't help myself. You're right. But it is sin. And until you take 100% responsibility and say, I have it because I love it like the man who came to me and I said to him, you need to lay your cigarettes down. He said, Pastor, I've tried so many times to quit smoking. I just can't quit. It's hopeless. I said, you're right, because you love to smoke. It's not something you hate, it's something you love. He looked at me with a startled look and then he said, you're right. I do love to smoke. I said, you'll never quit smoking as long as you love your sin. So let's pray. Would you be willing to ask God to put a hatred in your heart for your cigarettes? He said, yes, I'll pray that. I said, okay, let's pray that together. And we stood and prayed for a very short amount of time, asking the Lord to give him a complete hatred for his cigarettes. Came to church the next week. He said, Pastor, I'm free. I'm not smoking anymore. I hate my cigarettes. That I woke up one morning and I grabbed a cigarette and I said, this tastes awful. This is Awful. I don't want this filth in my mouth. And he threw it down. Several times he went through this.
0: The cigarette habit, the addiction to tobacco
1: was broken. Sin is broken. When we take 100% responsibility for it, we humble our heart. We go before God, and we are honest with God about what that sin is and how we love it, how we do not want to leave it. I know one man who walked away from the church some time ago. I'll tell you why he walked away. It was simply because he could not overcome his sin and live a clean life. And so he walked away from the church. Well, this is not a self-improvement process. This is not white-knuckling it to make ourselves righteous. Righteousness is a free gift that is given to us by the blood of Jesus. It is the grace that is given to us, and it teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. So this man walked away because he could not do it himself. He refused to humble his heart, and lay before God and say, it's my fault, I'm responsible, I can't do it, will you do it for me, Jesus? He was totally unwilling to pray that prayer. Now, I've shared all of this as a preface to the story of Abram in the book of Genesis. Genesis, the 17th chapter. Let me give just a bit of background. God has called Abram out of his homeland, Ur of the Chaldees, Mesopotamia, Babylonian government, a city of occultism, of astrology, of moon worship. All of his family worships the moon god, including his father Terah, and his grandfather. God calls him to leave his family and go to a land that he will be shown. He leaves for that land in response to seeing the glory of God, but he does not leave his family behind. And so he gets hung up in Haran, meaning parched place, and he is there until his father dies. Then he moves on into the promised land, the land of Canaan, and he takes with him Lot, his nephew, and Lot's wife, and family, and servants, and sheep, and cattle, and donkey, and goats. That's not what God told him to do. So when he gets to the promised land, there is a famine in the land, He responds to the famine by camping out halfway between Bethel, the house of God, and Ai, the house of ruin. He was undecided. He then sees that he is not going to be able to sustain his wealth in the midst of this famine. And so the scriptures tell us he heads south to the Negev. This was the road right into Egypt. In Egypt, he lies to Pharaoh. He tells everybody that this beautiful princess, his wife Sarai, is his sister. And he sees that she is of no utilitarian value because she cannot bear a son. She is barren. And he wants to save his own life. And so he tells everyone, this is my sister. Pharaoh brings her into his palace, into his harem, and makes her his wife. But then God curses Pharaoh and the family and his people. And Pharaoh discovers through divination that Sarai is Abram's wife. And he's so disturbed that he kicks Abram, out of the nation. He exiles him. He leaves in shame. And he begins to head back now to where God told him originally to go. But with him, as a slave of his
0: wife, comes Hagar.
1: God comes and makes a covenant with Abram about this son that he will have.
0: And immediately,
1: the suggestion comes from Sarai, why don't you take my Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and have a son? That way I can build what I'm supposed to have because I can't do it. This was simply going the way of the world. It was going back to Egypt again. And Abram did not stand up for the living God of heaven. You read in the book of Romans and it says, he wavered not in his faith. Well, in the the Hebrew, the word faith means fidelity to, absolute loyalty to. Abram did not have fidelity yet, but he was in the process of being disciplined. The word disciplined means to be taught, to be taught. He was being disciplined by God that one day he would be assayed and found to have great righteousness. And God was bringing to pass every discipline on Abram's life in order to open his heart that he could see who God was and walk before him as a righteous man. Remember, Abram was not under the new covenant. He was not under the Old Covenant. He was under what was called the Everlasting Covenant, which would eventually include the New Covenant.
0: So he had a son by the name of Ishmael, meaning God heard.
1: Now, if you want to see an example, an extreme example of the incredible, wonderful compassion and love of our God. Read the chapter 16 in the book of Genesis and see how kindly God treats this Egyptian servant, this slave, this new wife of Abram. He is so kind. He searches after her. He rescues her from the desert. He tells her that she's going to have a son and that God is going to bless this son. That the presence of God would go with him. But then the Lord also tells him that he's going to be a wild donkey of a man because his hand is going to be against his brother, against everyone. And everyone is going to live in hostility with him. In other words, he's going to be a very contentious person and he's going to give birth to a contentious people. So Hagar bore Abram a son and he called him Ishmael and Abram was now 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. It was 13 years before God spoke again to Abram. God simply put Abram in the refrigerator. Okay, Abram, I made a covenant with you. And you stepped out in your flesh and tried to fulfill what I said I would do for you. So enjoy what you have created. You're going to lie down in torment. You're going to be miserable because there will be constant disruption in your family. Your wives are going to hate each other. They're going to fight with each other. And this son that's been birthed to you, he's going to be a troublemaker. And so for 13 years, this went on.
0: And finally, we come to the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And he said, I am God Almighty. When I was a boy, when I was in trouble, my mother would say to me, Raymond?
1: Or my dad would say, Raymond Greenley," And I knew when that word was spoken, I was in deep trouble. When God comes to Abraham and says, I am God Almighty. You better know Abram is in trouble. God has come to do business with Abram. It is always much, much better for man to go to God and ask God if he can do business with God than to have God come to man and say, Look, we're now going to do business. Oh, the sternness and the kindness of God. The sternness and the kindness of God. God came to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless.
0: He is commanding Abram to walk before him and live without sin. That is
1: God's expectation of us. His expectation is not that we should produce a sinless life by white-knuckling, by struggling, by agonizing. It is His intention that we walk before Him and be blameless, through the wonderful power of the blood
0: of Jesus Christ. He says to our father, Abram, I am, meaning the verb to be. I am God Almighty. Walk
1: before me. Be blameless. And I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. In other words, you want the blessing of God in your life. Then recognize that God is in charge. Humble your heart and recognize that you're going to have to walk without sin before God if you want his blessing. It takes us back again to this passage of scripture that I opened with out of the Psalms, Psalm 24, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place?
0: He that hath clean hands
1: and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul Unto vanity or unto idols. Nor sworn deceitfully.
0: In other words, don't come before God and say, You are my God. I love you,
1: Jesus. You are my best friend. And then go out and befriend the devil. Go out and walk in darkness. Don't do that. He's saying if you do such a thing, you will not be able to enter the holy place. You will not be able to come before God. Because your hands are dirty. Your heart is dirty. And I am so concerned today because as I've been praying for you before coming to this broadcast, I know that many of you listening to this broadcast right now have dirty hands. You have walked deceitfully. You have said, I love God, I am a Christian, but you have walked like the world. You have gone to violence. You have refused to take responsibility for your sins. You have blamed others. You have been numbed out. You have been unconscious. You have been asleep. How can you enter the
0: presence of God in that condition? How can you enter the presence of God when you're proud? How
1: can you enter the presence of God when your love is for money and for prestige? to be important, to be reckoned as somebody of value. How can you enter the presence of God when he says, Abram, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And then he makes the promise, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. That was the appropriate response to the word of God to him. Are you willing
0: to fall face down before God and stop making any excuses for your failures,
1: for your sins? Are you willing to fall face down and take responsibility for that divorce that you went through, that your heart is bitter over, Are you willing to stop blaming her or stop blaming him? Are you willing to take responsibility for the job you lost, for the opportunity you lost, instead of blaming someone else? Are you willing to take responsibility for the financial mess that you have perhaps created? are you willing to take responsibility for the condition of your body? And if you're a glutton, are you willing to take responsibility for your gluttony? If you're an alcoholic listening today, are you you willing to take responsibility for your alcoholism or for your drug addiction?
0: Are you willing to humble your heart before God today? Say, it's me. It's me. I did it. I'm responsible. It was my fault. I know these are very difficult
1: and painful issues that I'm raising. Some of you have written to me and said, Pastor, your messages are very disturbing.
0: I pray they are.
1: I pray your heart is disturbed right now. If you don't have clean hands, you cannot enter into the presence of God. You can go to church. You can practice religion. You can demand blessings. And you know what? Satan will grant you blessings as long as you're walking in sin and you're in the church. You can ask God for blessings and Satan will hear you and he'll bless you. And he will convince you that your prosperity is from God. But it's not because that prosperity that's coming is not leading you toward heaven. It's leading you toward self-sufficiency and arrogance and hardness of heart. I want the blessing that does not come from the devil. I want the blessing that comes from God Almighty because I'm walking
0: blameless before him. The cry of my heart, the cry of my heart is that God would open the gates before his people. Do you need gates open before you today? Are you bound up? Is your heart ready
1: to do business with Jesus? Some of you have, I I know this by my time in the prayer closet, some of you who were going to be listening today, the Lord told me would be running. You've been running because you don't want to face your sin and yet you come and listen to this broadcast hoping that something will be said that will confront you in such a way that you will change your decision because you truly don't want your sin. You want Jesus.
0: But you've been running because you see the cost. You see the cost of laying down your sin, of your pleasure. Are you one that's been running today? Are you willing to stop running
1: and take responsibility for your sin? Humble your heart before God and let Him wash you and make you clean? And you finally are willing to say, Pastor, I will take 100% responsibility for my sin
0: and I will stop running
1: and I will do business with God and I will allow Jesus to do whatever he would like to do in my life and I will pay whatever price is necessary to walk clean before God. And ask Eric if our producer, Mr. Producer, would you play that song? I repent.
2: I have tasted that. and take up my cross again
0: Are you willing to take responsibility for your sin? Are you willing to humble your heart before God? Are you willing to be washed and made whole? These are not easy questions. It means we have to come out of this American dream, this American deadness,
1: almost like we've been mesmerized and recognize that eternity is before us and the judgments of God are beginning to fall on America. We have to shake ourselves out of that and say, wait a minute. Where is my destiny? Where have I been and where am I going? Time to wake up. To search after Jesus. My heart cries before the Lord for many of you that I've spoken with. I've struggled with you in your sin that you would finally, completely say, I'm finished with my darkness. I want Jesus. I want to walk clean before Him. I no longer want to walk in this sinful lifestyle. I know I'm not right with God. I need to get right. I pray for you.
0: Now's the time. Start new now. Wherever you're
1: at, stop and begin to pray and ask Jesus if he'll meet you. Ask Jesus if he'll come and do the wondrous work of healing and restoring in your soul that you could
0: walk clean before God. Now, Abram has been told
1: by the Lord, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, or walk without sin. And Abram falls face down, and God then said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, meaning exalted father. Your name will be Abraham. Abraham, meaning the father of many. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And then God said, to Abram, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. And it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Well, Let's stop and
0: talk about this profound covenant
1: of circumcision. As you know, it literally is clipping the foreskin of the male penis. Well, what is the meaning of this? It's really very simple. They lived in an agrarian culture. Prosperity came to them through livestock, through reproduction. Abraham is being promised that he will become a great nation. In other words, there is going to be much productivity. They are going to bear many children. Abraham is going to become a mighty nation, so numerous you will not be able to count them, as numerous as the stars of the heaven. And so what's the meaning of circumcision? Simply this that it is all God's doing and none of Abraham's doing. In other words, it is a recognition that God is the I am God who is El Shaddai, or Almighty. Up to this point in Abram's journey out of the city of destruction, Ur of the Chaldees, as he makes his way toward the promised land. He has continually gotten in trouble with God because he devised his own strategy to save himself.
0: First, when the famine is there, he heads to Egypt. Once he gets to Egypt, he says,
1: My wife is my sister. And he allows the very instrument through which God's promise is going to be made manifest. He throws this away, this person, this precious wife of his, the princess. That's what Sarai means, princess. The princess is being cast aside as of no value because Abram can't make her have a baby. So we see, step by step, in Abram's life, he has relied on his own strength and his own power, trying to deliver himself. And now God is saying, I want you to make a covenant with me, Abram, that will constantly remind you, in your flesh, that only I can produce what I have asked and commanded. Now, in the New Testament, we won't go there today, but we will soon. I'm going to show you that it is Jesus Christ himself who comes now and circumcises the heart of every believing Christian. You cannot be saved without having a circumcised heart. Well, what does that mean? That you cannot overcome sin in your own power. That the power of God must enter in and do the work of the covenant in your heart. It is the Holy Spirit who comes and writes the commandments of God upon your heart so that as you are doing the natural inclination of your newborn Christian heart, you will be keeping the law of God. In other words, the Lord God of heaven is trying to enforce in Abraham's mind and heart the reality that he is God,
0: not Abram.
1: Abram is not God. He is but man. Your deliverance from sin, your deliverance begins as you recognize that you have joined a covenant of grace and that Jesus must come and circumcise your heart. It's referred to in different ways in the new covenant. Sometimes it's referred to as being born again a new birth, a baptism. There are different ways to speak about it. We sometimes, in our common vernacular, say a person was saved. What do we mean? We mean their heart was circumcised. We mean they were born again. We mean they were made into a new creature. We mean the law of God was written on their heart all
0: of it to indicate to us our utter,
1: complete powerlessness in the flesh. No good thing dwells in flesh. God is a spirit, and we worship him in spirit and in truth. So there is a place that we must go. It is in the spirit where we take responsibility for our sin and we admit what we have done, we confess it openly and freely and completely. And as we begin to humble our flesh before God, as we begin to take full responsibility for what we have done, the blessing of God begins to be poured out upon our lives as we no longer make judgments against other people, as we no longer hold bitterness in our heart, as
0: love flows out of our heart, like a mighty dream,
1: it is the Holy Spirit. For only the Holy Spirit can bring love out of the heart of a man or woman.
0: So today, I want to pray with you. I want to ask God, in the name of Jesus, if he'll begin to do this for you right now. Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I bring my brothers and sisters before your throne and I'm asking for the strength, the courage, and the power to take full responsibility for our sin. To not blame another person. To not hold grudges. To not hold unforgiveness in our hearts. Not to treasure our hurts. But to come before your throne and humble our hearts. And ask, O God.
1: Would you forgive? Would you forgive the many times we have walked away from you and caused shame to come upon your name? Would you forgive the many times we've blamed others, castigated others, judged others?
0: And Lord, perhaps the most difficult, and I confess, Lord, I have done this. I have held contempt in my heart toward others. I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me
1: and forgive us. I ask, Lord, that you would turn the x-ray machine on right now across this city and that you would make abundantly clear to every person's heart the contempt they have toward another,
0: the pride and the arrogance that goes along
1: with that contempt Of thinking that another is less than we are. The pride and the arrogance, oh God, forgive us.
0: Lord, for the many times we've
1: turned to entertainment, to the television, to the internet, to violence, to lust, the many times we've turned our heart toward things of the world, the professional sports, all of the things that capture the attention of the worldly man or woman. For, Lord, you've called us to be
0: pilgrims and to take this journey of holiness and make our way toward heaven. Lord, I ask in your mighty name that you would forgive.
1: And Lord, I recognize that I'm still so far away from your kingdom. When I read the old timers like
0: John Wesley, or Whitfield, or Edwards, or any of the
1: other great old timers. Their discipline and their holiness and their earnestness in seeking after you, their urgency of desire was so great. Lord, would you do that work in our hearts? Would you come now by the power of your Spirit?
0: I know you are able. Would you do it now? In the name of Jesus, I pray. God bless you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon.